Blog Talk Radio.
the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky... You'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. want to send a real quick shout-out to all the homeschoolers that tune into this show on a regular basis and incorporate its uh, um, great information into your uh, curriculum. So hello, homeschoolers. Thanks for tuning in today. All the -the over-the-road truck drivers we do hear from on occasion when you're uh, uh, hauling that freight from point A to point B, keep it safe, keep it on the road, and thanks for tuning in and listening to us, uh, listening to the archive on uh, iTunes.com or Podcast.com or Zoom.com or all the other places you can find this uh, archived show. We thank you very much. Thanks to all the feed and seed stores across the country that stream the show live every day to their customers. We hope business is doing well and uh, wishing you a good holiday season this uh, coming up next few weeks. And, um, and of course, all of our regular archive listeners. There are thousands of you, and we appreciate you tuning in whenever you can there on uh, iTunes.com that subscribe to the uh, podcast version of this show. So thank you very much for doing so. Greg, we've got a great show lined up for you today. 
Uh, we have Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Go visit them right now while you're listening live. FirstStateVetSupply.com, home of the emergency medicine kit. And, um, you know, you have the first aid kit. Well, you need to have an emergency medicine kit as well. It will no doubt save you some money, and you won't have to worry about a 50 or 60 bottle, a dollar a bottle of meds going bad if you don't have to use it, but just a smaller bottle going bad. That's what he's done. He's tried to save you some money, but yet let you have the meds you need on hand if and when you get that sick bird. So uh, it's a great deal, and that needs to be incorporated with your first aid kit. So um hope you all are having a great week. We'll return, of course, tomorrow uh, with... Uh, um, all about essential oils with uh, our good friend with Purple Lotus Oils, um, Tracy Kennebec. And then this Thursday, we've got Richard Frudenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine. He's going to be joining us, and the topic actually is going to be fire safety for our homestead. Uh, that'll be good from uh, uh, smoke detectors to carbon monoxide detectors, fire extinguishers, things like that, keeping the homestead safe. A lot of you have the word wood-burning stoves, uh, wood-burning, coal-burning fireplaces, pellet stoves, different things like that. And so uh, it'll be a good, timely topic for the show coming up on Thursday. So we've got a full lineup for all of our fans uh, coming up this week. Let's head over to the phone lines right now. We've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. Let's give him a big chicken whisper welcome. And as soon as this thing gets done spinning around, we'll know he's live like right now. Hey, Peter, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Andy, how are you doing? Good. Did you have any shows this past week? No. I don't know if you had any poultry shows that you were visiting or not. Okay, I knew no, that I'm done. APA. I'm done until, no, I don't go to, um, too far to go, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to uh, there's so many vendors and, and stuff at those places, um, you know, you're looking at, from here at least a 14-hour drive and um it's um well it's not always all about making money you, you can't even make ends meet um you know the ohio national uh when i had that just about a month or so ago the just the cost out back setup fee because see they i don't know about the national i don't know if they charge vendors or not more than likely they do but i know at ohio they're quite high so uh round trip from ohio and back you know uh Motel, gas, all that stuff, about $2,000 uh, before you even begin to make a profit. It's just not feasible, that's all. I did it for years, and, uh, you know, my accountant asked me why I was continuing to run my head into a wall. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so he said, you know, it's kind of stupid. And I said, well, you kind of got a point. And, and uh, there were some other issues, but they're not important. Uh, and it's just, you know, it was a losing proposition all the way around for me, Um uh, other people might look at it uh, better, but I, I still contend, and I've always said this economically. When you, when, no matter whether it's the Ohio National, whether it's Knoxville, whether it's any other uh, place where there's a whole lot of chicken folks gathering, uh, there are only so many dollars going to be spent there that weekend, no matter what, whether it's a football game somewhere uh, or whatever. And the more merchants you have, the more diluted that becomes per merchant. You know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so there are less dollars to go around for everybody. So it makes it tougher to, uh, you know, to break even. So I just decided that the faraway shows that were not profitable, I just, you know, eliminated them. That was that. So understandable, was, understandable. Yeah. I know all about travel costs. That's for sure. Yeah, 
Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it, and it's gotten worse. You know, of course, gas is coming down now, but still, in all, um, it's it's just part of the cost. Uh, uh, you know, motels are not cheap. Um, you know, and I don't stay. In, not that I got to stay in the Taj Mahal, but I don't stay in a flea bag either. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we we try to look at it a number of different ways. And um, I was going to. Oh, we're looking into getting a, an SUV type deal that um, or or. Uh, not an actual SUV, but a vehicle that um, uh, would allow us to stay in the vehicle and allow us to um, carry all our merchandise at the same time. So one vehicle for one per, you know, uh, multiple purposes. And I couldn't justify the cost of it, and uh, so uh, that went by the boards as well. So it's just a, it's just a, a, a business decision that anybody you know would make at, at one point in time, and and. Uh, um, you know, I, I did enjoy going to the shows, and I still go to quite a few. It's just don't go that far. Um, right, right. My next show is in uh, Springfield, Mass, at the um, Poultry Congress. They're one of the best shows that I've ever been to. Uh, people are friendly, uh, big, huge show hall, uh, very helpful group of people with, you know, with the people coming in and out and, and so on. So it doesn't seem to be uh, the issues at that particular venue that there are a lot of others and that they try to be accommodating to uh, to everybody. I know that uh, they're making some adjustments on getting people out early on Sunday, so they're trying to speed that process up because they know people come from quite a distance to get there. So they'll be, you know, uh, probably trying to get people out of there an hour, hour and a half earlier than they normally would, which is it's a good thing for people traveling. So. Mm-hmm. I notice when I hit when I hit the shows for that last day, they're uh, they're oh, yeah. uh, anxious to pack up and hit the road. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's like a madhouse. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's uh, just 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 part of the uh, part of the, the the deal of do, of doing chickens. It's uh, it's the way it is. But uh, hmm. we have an interesting topic today. We've covered it before, maybe more than mm-hmm. once. But um, I like to bring things up uh, when. Uh, I see them come across uh, either the phone here or, or uh, people contact me uh, on the internet and, and what have you. So, um, because we don't often see this one, um, uh, it, it may be out there and in, in, uh, in more frequent than we see it. But um, most people obviously uh, are not able to get their birds to a diagnostic laboratory. So we don't know for sure. Uh, maybe one of the reasons why, uh, when folks have a respiratory issue with a bird, and they medicate it, and it doesn't get better, and eventually dies, and uh, because they don't um, do a post mortem on the bird, uh, we never really know what it died from. And um, so I've had several cases of, of this uh, particular disease called aspergillosis. Okay, um, and it is a fungal disease, and. Um, um, I was actually surprised to uh, to see this uh, actually in the fashion that that we did. Uh, this seemed to be, uh, and um, you know, being honest about it, I have never seen it in this fashion. I still question a little bit whether it wasn't um, uh, possibly a little bit of favus uh, uh, in, involved in this, which it could have been. But I've never seen this on the outside of the bird. Uh, this particular bird uh, had. Um, lesions all over the, the, the face on one side, um, and uh, 
from from what I could see, it didn't have uh, quite the respiratory issues, but they were able upon a post-mortem to pick up some aspergillosis, which might have been a secondary bacterial, uh, or secondary fungal infection, actually, for, for all we know. Uh, but lo and behold, it was there, and if that's the way it presented itself uh, in, in the uh, diagnostic laboratory, then that's the way it was. But I've never, ever seen it like that. But we're seeing things change a little bit as more and more people get backyard chickens and spread the love around and all the diseases that go with it, um, we're starting to see some things make some changes and uh, uh, some medications are not as uh, um, uh, effective as they once were uh, in, in certain uh, instances and, and things of that nature. So I thought it would be a good idea to bring this one back up, make okay. everybody aware of it, talk about it a little bit, kick it around, and uh, um, if we have time, uh, I'd like to talk about a couple of little things as well. But we'll go on with this one, get this one under our belt, and we'll go from there. Uh, so, again, it, it is a fungus. Um, I don't think it's overly important to know exactly what fungus uh, causes it, but I'll tell you anyway. And it's uh, called Aspergillus fumigatus, and it's A-S-P-E-R-G-I-L-L-I-S, and then fumigatus, F-U-M-I-G-A-T-U-S. And... Um, it's what we call one of those funguses that's ubiquitous in nature. That means it's everywhere and anywhere. Um, so you could pick it up uh, uh, anywhere in nature itself. Uh, birds can be out and about anywhere and get into it in some uh, rotting vegetation somewhere. Um, one of the ways they get it, this is something that you can pick up from straw uh, very easily and from, uh, from hay. So those that use straw and use uh, hay as bedding, uh, could very well uh, be more uh, prone to having problems with this particular disease because it may or may not be in, in the uh, in the bedding that they're using. Uh, which uh, <clears throat> this uh, uh, particular fung uh, fungus will take care of uh, chickens, turkeys, uh, uh, geese, wild birds, pet birds, uh, uh, pigeons, um, just about all of them when you think about it. Um, Pet birds and 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 uh, and so on would be uh, uh, have less of a problem with it as a general rule because they uh, uh, generally not flying around in, in contact with uh, that type of bedding. But it is possible it does happen, so I just throw it out there uh, for people to think about. Um, this one has a uh, a very uh, a varied incubation time. When I say very varied, one to five days. So. Uh, if you have uh, a lot of it going on, uh, birds have been exposed to a lot of the, sp uh, the fungal spores, um, then you could see this uh, take over pretty quickly. Um, uh, if it's uh, just been a mild exposure, it might take a while for it to develop itself. But it does like those tissues inside the bird's body, that nice, warm, moist uh, tissue, the air sacs, the lungs, uh, and just about anywhere. Um, so what might you see with these kinds of birds? Obviously, most birds that have a respiratory issue, whether it be this one or mycoplasma or bronchitis or LT, uh, you see a depressed appetite, <clears throat> certainly. Uh, you see loss of body weight, uh, loss of muscle mass. Um, birds who are not uh, uh, diagnosed quickly or, uh, again, we've talked about it in the past, taking that time out to look at all the birds uh, sitting on that five-gallon bucket and uh, observing uh, if you don't pick this up fast, uh, you'll find birds that are pretty well emaciated, very uh, extremely thin. 
Um, and at that point in time, you may even think that you've got a case of coccidiosis going on. Okay, um, There can be uh, nervous system involvement when, when it uh, involves the brain. Um, there may be the reluctance to move. So you've got appetite loss, extremely thin, reluctance to move, all symptoms of coccidiosis as well. So you kind of have to split this up in your head and start thinking about uh, the, the different things because the loss of appetite will come uh, with uh, coccidiosis as well. So uh, we have to try to make up our mind uh, as to what's going on. A um, couple of things that are different with this one that you won't necessarily see uh, with coccidiosis uh, would be the uh, uh, nervous symptoms that, that could be caused by brain involvement. Uh, there may be some dip difficulty breathing, uh, some gasping for air. Um, their uh, breaths seem to be uh, longer and, and deeper uh, as they struggle to uh, uh, as they struggle to to breathe. Um, and here's another little caveat to it too that um, these birds, uh, unlike uh, bronchitis, LT, uh, mycoplasma, and those kinds of diseases, coryza. Uh, you generally don't get the gurgling or the rattle that we get in, in uh, birds that have these other diseases. And um, you, you don't, usually don't have the um, mucus uh, involvement. Kind of like a silent uh, disease, if you will. You can't see it uh, and, and, and the respect that uh, you're not going to have the snotty nose, you're not going to have the runny eye, uh, you're not going to have all this rattling, coughing, choking, sneezing and stuff, but you're going to have a bird that's um, withering away to nothing, and, and it actually is a, more of a respiratory issue than it would be um, a uh, issue with uh, the intestinal tract. Although uh, this this can go anywhere, um, you know, in the bird's body and uh, take over fairly rapidly. Again, it it likes those uh, uh, areas of the body that are moist and, and warm, and it's, it's a great great growth media for not only this uh, fungus but a whole lot of other. Uh, diseases. Mycoplasma has an affinity for the uh, upper epithelial surface tissues of the uh, trachea. It likes to hang out there on the surface tissue of the lungs, uh, on the air sacs and stuff, and so does this. Okay? So, um, <clears throat> so if you were, um, you or a laboratory were to, uh, to do a, uh, a post-mortem, um, lesions can be found pretty much anywhere in the, in the bird's body. Um, but they will uh, appear as a cream-colored um, spot, round, um, um, raised. Um, they, in the um, scientific community, we would call them a plaque, um, and they um, uh, attach themselves to, like I said, any any tissue anywhere that they come in contact uh, with it. Um, you will find them uh, just just about anywhere. Another place you might find them uh, too would be in the in the shrinx, which is their voice box, which is down um, behind the clavicle uh, in the in the breast uh, in, uh, area of the bird. And uh, air sacs, um, like I said, you will find it in the intestines, uh, liver, uh, and. Um, uh, there, there is an ocular form, and that's what this other bird that I uh, saw may have had, but I've never seen it to the extent that it was. Uh, it was all over uh, the outside uh, head of, of, the, of the bird. The eye itself didn't look to me to be that bad. But um, 
at any rate, um, uh, it ended up being the uh, uh, aspergillosis in this in this particular bird. No other particular findings uh, were were found. Um, the ocular form will have a a larger um, um, uh, plaque generally, and they settle down in, in the uh, in the corners of the eyes, uh, and uh, so you'd be able to to take a look at it. But then again, you start looking at some of the eye infections that we see sometimes, and uh, they're caused by bacterial infections, and uh, so you know, that, that might be a tip off for this one if it's starting in a corner of the eye. Uh, versus the others, which have a tendency to uh, to cover more of the complete eyeball uh, all the way across. So a good close examination uh, of the bird, um, you know, can uh, can go a long way uh, to helping you try to decide uh, what's wrong. Okay, certainly if you have access to a laboratory, um, it would be my uh, uh, advice to tell you to take the bird to a, a sacrifice one, take it to the lab, uh, figure out what's going on, and, and get on a, a, a plan of action to uh, to, uh, to tell you, uh, you know, what's going on. Uh, there are occasions when you bring birds to, uh, to, the, uh, to the lab and you don't get any um, definitive answers, uh, and that may be because in some cases um, uh, the disease uh, is not producing enough of the symptoms to to put their finger on it, or it can't be uh, regrown in the laboratory for for whatever the reason it is. Uh, in some laboratories, if they're not familiar with a particular type of uh, of disease, uh, it depends on whether it's really being done in a laboratory that is uh, heavily uh, invested in poultry uh, work or uh, or another laboratory, and um, that is because some of these things require different growth mediums to grow on. Okay. And um, so um, you have to watch out for what we call secondary bacteria that may outgrow the, the original bacteria or the original fungus that you're trying to look at and, and, uh, and obscure it. So uh, it just depends on the lab. Some labs pick it up, up things uh, easier than others. Okay. Um, again, we said this is ubiquitous, comes anywhere and everywhere. Uh, we used to see this a lot in uh, hatcheries uh, because it can become from uh, in, in infected uh, uh, hatchery, hatcheries with uh, infected um, uh, incubators and hatchers uh, that weren't properly cleaned, all, all the fluff and down that floats around and uh, not keeping filters clean uh, and air ducts and, and those kinds of things. Uh, once this stuff gets hold in a hatchery, it's pretty tough to clean it up. Uh, it can even be tough to clean it up in your own incubator. So you need to, uh, to keep an eye on that, always clean up uh, and discard everything um, uh, you know, from the, the cleanup process uh, as quickly as and, and appropriately as possible. Um, used to see this and still do see this uh, a lot in in, uh, in day-old chicks. Uh, hence the term that this was usually called brooder pneumonia. And um, again, contaminated bedding, contaminated brooders, um, and contaminated equipment uh, from the uh, incubator uh, and the hatcher and, and so on. Um, so, you know, some people um, take eggs out of an incubator that are not uh, fertile and will put other eggs in uh, that are, um, uh, you know, to save space and, and that kind of thing. And every time you open it and, and fool with it and play with it, uh, you open this thing up to, you know, any anything that's floating around um, as far as the, uh, 
the environment of the uh, room or hatch room in a in a uh, in a commercial type hatchery. So you have to be careful with all these things. So we call it uh, uh, brood pneumonia. Uh, the, the chicks in, inhale those uh, um, Aspergillus spores uh, in sufficient quantities to uh, to uh, cause infection and uh, uh, Again, uh, when they hit the brooders, uh, uh, the contaminated litter, the litter uh, there are um, uh, tons and tons of, of, of literature over the years uh, showing uh, uh, the contamination that uh, has come from uh, aspergillus spores being in the, uh, uh, in the, in the uh, litter. And um, uh, on occasion, you can get this coming through in moldy, dusty feed, um, I've had uh, several people uh, this year uh, call me and talk to me about feed that they got from their mill that um, uh, was just caked in the uh, in the uh, uh, in the bag when they opened it. Uh, some of it was really uh, dusty and looked dirty and 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 that kind of thing. Hard to say where all that stuff comes from, you know. Uh, uh, you don't know if a disgruntled employee decided to, to uh, sweep the floor and put the sweepings in a particular bag just for the heck of it, or uh, hard to say. But there, you know, could have been equipment that wasn't cleaned properly. That does happen. Um, you know, there they there are good manufacturing processes that all feed mills are supposed to uh, to follow. Um, you know, in most most uh, situations where people get uh, moldy, dirty, dusty feed or something. Uh, I can guarantee you somewhere along the line somebody hasn't followed protocol because there is a written protocol in every feed mill, um, and if not, they're supposed to be. Um, and a lot of them, you know, if they're not making a lot of different medicated feeds, uh, they can fly under the radar uh, for a long time before they fall under the uh, government inspections and stuff because they don't have that many inspectors to run all over the country and, and do this. Uh, um, I know years back it was every couple, three years, uh, they were inspecting these these mills. A lot can go wrong in that period of time, and you know the turnover of help uh, and uh, all these different uh, uh, things. So, mm. if you get feed that you're not comfortable with, uh, I just wouldn't feed it. Uh, you never invite a problem in. So, if you open a bag of feed and, and uh, it doesn't look as good as the uh, the last bag you were you were feeding, uh, I just wouldn't feed it. I think that's uh, prudent. Take it back. Yep. You know, take it back. Let them deal with it. Uh, same thing if you discover bugs, uh, uh, pieces of dead bird. I've seen that happen. I've seen uh, rat carcasses, uh, uh, any of that kind of stuff. Um, what I would be doing is taking it back to the feed mill, and I probably wouldn't go back there and buy feed for a good while, maybe ever. Just depends on you know. Some people can't do that because in their particular town, it's the only game in town. So you know, you kind of have to you know look at that situation as well. Um, Read the labels. I mean, they need to read the labels of the food. They need to be familiar. Number one, what's in it, um, and um, you know the, the nutritional value of it, and then the date. And, and they really need to read the labels. I think that's very important. I know some people have even saved the labels uh, for so many months in case there's a recall. Not a bad idea. Not not a bad idea at all. Uh, I think that the the more and I and I know it's all a pain in the neck. You know, trying to keep the record mm -hmm. of, of uh, of all of the different things, but if you, you know, if you're out there and you're breeding birds and you're keeping track of, um, you know, who was bred to who and who came from where and you know that kind of thing, then you should keep, you know, you should keep track of what medications you've used, uh, 
uh, you know, and those kinds of things. Um, um, and I just want to throw this out there while we're talking about this because I had a conversation with somebody this morning about this. And, um, you know, if you're buying birds from people, um, and I don't care how good or what the reputation of the breeder is, uh, it behooves you to ask what they vaccinate for. You know, um, you know, somebody bought some birds from 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 some three different breeders, and uh, now they got a problem. And you know, when you ask the question, you know, were they vaccinated for this? I don't know. Were they vaccinated for that? I don't know. I didn't ask. Well, why wouldn't you? You know, it's important. Now we got a problem, and I'm trying to help you figure out, you know, whether we have a viral problem going on, which is totally different, would be treated in a different way, um, or do we have a bacterial problem on, you know, ongoing? And, you know, trying to get the information out of people sometimes is pretty tough. And uh, I don't think it's a it's a it's um, uh, an affront to a breeder to ask if they vaccinate for anything. I mean, if they're going to be fair with you and up and up, you're going to spend money, I think you're entitled to know. It's not a, it shouldn't be a big secret anyway. You know, uh, it will help you in, in making uh, decisions about uh, how you're going to treat those birds, you know, once you get them back to your place. And uh, they, you know there can be a, a, a huge, huge difference, a huge difference. You know, and um, um, ask them, ask them what level of if they are MPIP, what level of MPIP? Do they just once a year yeah. come, somebody comes out, or do they yep. participate in in more than just the basic and the minimum? Yep. You know, I, I think it's important. Um, I I, uh, I recently um, uh, responded to uh, a, a post with with someone. And uh, obviously, I'm, I'm not going to give any names. I don't even know the person. But they had they had a diagnosis come down from the laboratory, and um, I didn't see the report, but I was reading uh, what was given online. And um, and I'm only throwing this out there. It has nothing to do basically with what we're talking about as far as this particular disease is concerned. But I want to point out why this is important to know this. So the diagnosis was, I think there were two birds taken to a, to a laboratory, okay, a competent laboratory as far as I'm concerned, very good laboratory. And um, the diagnosis came back as, uh, the way I was reading it, uh, either uh, lymphoid leukosis, which is referred to as uh, LL or big liver disease, or Merix. And there were well over 100 posts in this particular thread, okay, and going back and forth about cleaning up, doing this, doing that, some some of the comments made were absolutely asinine and ridiculous, and <laughs> other, others others were helpful, um, and and so on. And um, I said, in my my particular uh, two cents on it, I said, you know, the laboratory should have been able to tell you the difference between the two. You either have one or the other, or you have them both, and you need to know that. And the reason you need to know that, okay, is because lymphoid leukosis and Merix are not the same. They are both oncogenic cancer-causing, tumor-causing diseases, but they are not one in the same, okay? They are totally different. So if I had my druthers on the two, Okay, if I could take my choice in a heartbeat, I take the Merix because I can fix that one. The other one is spread from infected breeding stock. So you get my drift, 
you've got birds oh. over here that they, if they've got merics, just vaccinate everybody, you vaccinate the offspring, and eventually you'll get it under control, and you know things will be fairly hunky dory. You know you'll have a, the expense of vaccinating, but you know you don't have to put anybody down for the most part. You, know, you might have a few that come down with it yet, and and you'll you'll dispose of them as need be. The other one, you've got to find out who's passing this stuff because you can't fix it. The only way you can fix it is find the birds that it's coming from and eliminate them. So you need to know that, you see. And that's what I put in, in my post. You, you need to know that. You know, you need to find out from that laboratory, is it either or or both? And then, then you can make an informed decision about it. As far as, you know, not wanting to vaccinate and clean up, good luck with that one. You know, I mean, I just don't see that happening. It's such a prolific disease, Merrick's. Uh, the other one being spread, you know, from, from the breeders. I just can't see that happening. So, you know, you need to ask all the right questions to, to get to the point where you, you know, really need to be uh, to to make informed uh, decisions. Moving on here now with this. Uh, so we already went through and we looked at this and we, we know how it can be spread from the uh, contaminated litter. Uh, contaminated soil can do it too. Okay, we've seen it come that way. Uh, but the, the predominant way is is uh, is really through uh, contaminated uh, litter, uh, being uh, uh, hay, straw, uh, anything like that that's been allowed to get uh, moldy and, and and pick up this particular uh, fungus and 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 uh, just just spread it around. Uh, it's generally inhaled by the birds. Okay, uh, can come in through the conjunctiva of the eye. So we go through the eye, we go through the nostril, we go through the mouth. Those three ports of entry are the basic ways they, they get it. Um, this can, you know, can come from uh, your, your parrots and your citizine birds get it uh, uh, and, and can pass it on. So you can, you know, if you've got uh, those types of birds, uh, and I know some people that do, uh, they could be a, a, a source of, uh, of getting it as well, depending on how well they're kept inside aviary versus outside aviary uh, and that kind of thing. Okay, wet weather versus uh, warm, moist weather. Uh, again, remember I said it's ubiquitous in nature. It's out there everywhere and anywhere. So when the wind blows, if you're in an area uh, that has a lot of this kind of stuff, uh, you may have some problems with it. Uh, it's just a nice thing to know that it's you know that, that it is out there, and it's another uh, tool in your toolbox to to look at something and and uh, try to make a decision as to uh, to what's going on. Uh, so how do we control it? Uh, we clean up everything we can, we dispose of, either bury or burn, uh, or take to the landfill all of the bedding uh, that we can. Uh, we wash down uh, the uh, entire uh, coops and, and such with uh, oxine or any other disinfectant of your choice. Um, we um, just do as thorough a job as we can, uh, getting everything cleaned up, nest boxes, uh, water dishes, feeders, uh, you name it, fans, the whole bit. Everything's got to be washed, cleaned up, uh, and um, just generally clean everything from, from head to toe uh, and around. Uh, get rid of all of that. If you've got runs, uh, you certainly want to uh, decontaminate that soil as best you can. Uh, I suggest uh, using hydrated lime for that purpose. And uh, we generally, uh, that can be bought in a lot of areas of the country. It usually comes in an 80-pound bag or so. Uh, some places they call it hydrated lime. Some places call it slag lime. Some places call it burnt lime. It's also known as pickling lime. Same thing. Draw back to it. Can't let the birds stand on it. But you can put it in the soil 
uh, and you can uh, get it to uh, to help you change that pH so that the, the, the bad guys don't live there. Okay, so um, that's some of the things you could do for, from that standpoint. Uh, treating birds, uh, it's a little bit uh, different. Uh, there is some evidence to show that if you fog oxine over top of the birds, uh, that uh, this can be effective uh, in controlling uh, and or getting rid of it. Uh, if I suspected that I had that problem, that might be uh, my first line of defense. Okay, uh, If I suspected some birds that had uh, some eye involvement, I was suspecting this particular uh, uh, disease or any other disease for that matter, you can wash their eyes out with a diluted form of oxine which would be uh, about five to six drops of oxine in a quart of warm water, okay? And sometimes uh, we're able to, uh, uh, to work through that uh, fairly well. Uh, if that doesn't work, uh, the two drugs of choice that you could use uh, would be fluconazole and ketoconazole. And uh, those, uh, um, those two um, uh, medications uh, can be used uh, to uh, to cure birds that that have this, but as with any disease, uh, you've got to uh, catch this uh, real early. Okay. Um, if you've got birds that are out free ranging, it would behoove you and make sense to uh, maybe once a week uh, take a good walk out and about and look around, see and make sure that there's uh, no rotting vegetation, uh, no real standing water that gets real stagnant and can uh, contribute to the, uh, the, uh, this, this uh, particular uh, uh, situation. Uh, dead and rotting uh, carcasses, uh, vegetation, all of those kinds of things. Clean it up, keep a good place, uh, and you'll just have less trouble uh, you know, with all of these, uh, these particular things, especially this one here. You don't want this one either. It's, it's, it's nasty. Uh, and uh, you know, as we all love our birds, we all want to do the most uh, that we can for them. So uh, I would uh, take a look at all these different issues with this, and uh, certainly um, getting a, a definitive diagnosis if you can't figure it out. I think that's that's the way to go. Absolutely. Andy, I'm done with this one. If you want to take a break yeah. for your commercials, and then we can come back and we can talk about um, we want to talk a little yeah. bit about gut health and stuff. Yeah. That sounds great. That was the plan. Thanks so much. We're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Visit him online during the commercial break. Commercial break. FirstStateVetSupply.com. We'll be back more with gut health right after this short break. Stay with us, folks. Give the chicken fountain a try. It's clean water by design. It's a new Nothing to lose, so start today. Not a major water, the easy way. Learn more now, you can't go wrong. Chickenfountain.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. 
Go pick out your new incubator at gqfradio.com. That's gqfradio.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at idealpoultry.com. That's idealpoultry.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen Savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your hen saver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. This looks like a job for... Super chicken? You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. How would you like a punch in the beak? All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Remember, there's a lot of great stocking stuffers you can get Chicken Whisperer related. You can, uh, well, let's see, let's start at the top. We've got... Tractor Supply, and Barnes & Noble, and Home Depot, and Lowe's, and Books A Million. 
Paul Carey, the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens. So if you have a person who's getting into chickens, maybe they've kept chickens less than three years, that'd be a good stocking stuffer for you. Also, you can, uh, for that chicken lover in your life, a uh, one-year subscription to Chicken Whisperer Magazine, just $9.95 for the print edition delivered to their mailbox four times per year every season. Great information and that publication for you. There is also a um, Chicken Whisperer calendar, 2015. Um, It's a smaller calendar than the publishers did last year. Um, I think it's about eight inches square, so perfect size for that stocking stuffer. You can find that at uh, Amazon.com. Just uh, uh, search Chicken Whisperer, and it'll pop up along with the along with the book. And uh, so, lots of great stocking stuffers for the chicken lover in your life. And as I said at the beginning of the show, um, if you're just getting into chickens, if you've had them for a while, you have that first aid kit with wound care and things like that. Um, you need to think about when or if or when and if um, you end up having some type of uh, illness in your flock that requires a medication, and you now have to take the time to go run over to the store and get it, and they're out of it, and you have to go find it somewhere else. That's gas money. That's time. Time is money. Um, You don't find what you need, then you have to order it online, and then it takes three days to get there, or you pay extra to have it next day to you. Meanwhile, the bird's getting sicker, and the disease is spreading. If you haven't isolated the sick bird, um, when for twenty four ninety five, you could have the emergency medicine kit from firststatevetsupply.com, and instead of having a $50 bottle of med, you've got a whole kit with enough meds to get started treating your flock while you order exactly what you need. So you don't have to worry about all of these bottles of medication expiring on you because you didn't have to use them, which is a good thing. But if you do, the issue is... Um, You've just saved some money if they've expired because you didn't have a $50 bottle and you had a smaller dose enough to get you started while you figure out how much and what else that you need. And that's at firststatevetsupply.com emergency medicine kit. They also have $6.95 shipping right now on all of their sweeter heaters. So you can get them shipped to you just for $6.95. So they got that special running. And uh, you know that we always talk about the probiotic. We're going to talk about gut health right now. Save your money. Save the yogurt, okay, as Peter's probably going to tell you a little bit about. Number one, Dr. McCray, Ph.D., poultry scientist, will tell you all day long, chickens do not have the necessary enzymes in their gut to properly digest dairy. Now, folks, that doesn't mean you give them a, a little cup of yogurt and they're going to kill over dead. No. The issue is that we've got thousands of people out there that give their chickens yogurt every day thinking they're helping their gut health when there's really not enough good bacteria in store-bought yogurt to do a darn thing for your chicken's gut. Number two, there's plenty of bad things in that yogurt that your chickens don't need. High fructose corn syrup, sugar, artificial colors, artificial flavors, and you're giving it to them a dollar a cup day after day after day thinking you're helping them and you're not. But for 19.95, you can get probiotic designed for chickens that will actually help them maintain that good, good health. So ditch the yogurt, okay? Uh, Why don't people do this more often? You know, my theory is because I guess it's just not fun to mix up an appropriate dose of the probiotic and put it in their water. Okay, that's more like giving them medicine and it's not really fun to see your treats come running over to you because you have a little cup of yogurt and it gets all over their beak. Ha, ha, ha. 
okay? But you're, you're wasting your money and your time, and you're not helping them at all. So you can probably save some money by getting the probiotic that's designed for the chickens to begin with. So uh, you can get that over at first state, that supply. And then, of course, as we've all talked about, we've had rate reviews um, and studied at, at uh, the turkey farms, um, and that is the uh, um, all of oregano that they carry, that it's not just your run-of-the-mill oregano you get out of the grocery store that you sprinkle and scatter on your pizza slice. Um, it's interacted with, with other ingredients that make it more usable by the chicken's body. Okay, so it's not just, oh, I'm going to sprinkle some oregano over their feet. Everything's going to be fine and dandy. So you got to do that research. You can't just go to the blog and forum and say, oh, oregano will help. And then you go and get a uh, oregano oil from, you know, the uh, central oil place or just sprinkle oregano all over their feet that you got at Publix because you use it on your pizza too. So it's just more in-depth than just seeing something on a blog or forum about, oh, I'm going to sprinkle this on top. Um, it's very interesting when I see that, you know, um, you know, well, in order for it to be effective, what's the dose? And then, you know, does anybody even have the dose of what's effective? And then how do you administer the dose? And then how do you know that every chicken is getting that entire dose if you're just sprinkling it on their food to, for it to be effective? It's more than just sprinkling some stuff on their food or, oh, I'm going to give them some pumpkin seed extract. Really? For, for worms? Okay, well, tell me what's the dose? And how do you know every chicken is getting that dose? So the, it's more than just uh, what you see on the blogging forums, even with the health and the more natural products. So um, we're talking about gut health. We've got Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, here. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great topic. We'd like to cover it as much as we can. Because uh, just like us in humans, the gut, a healthy gut of the chicken can go a long way to preventing a lot of disease. So, Peter, I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, um, not a whole lot to say here. We've been over it so many times. Uh, but I think it's important because this is, uh, along with uh, coccidiosis and a couple of other things, is the, the the number one thing I run into on a daily basis, um, uh, and oftentimes, uh, you know, the, the problems with the gut can't be fixed, uh, and the bird ends up succumbing to whatever the problem uh, was. And again, like I said earlier, uh, because necropsies aren't generally done by the majority of people, we just never know, uh, you know, what the bird uh, succumbed to. But I think it warrants going back and looking at. Uh, the, the, the issues associated, you know, w- with the gut. Uh, we can talk about coccidiosis again another time because I, I don't think you ne- ever really talked that one to death, even though it seems like it sometimes. Because uh, when I, <clears throat> the couple of, of boards that I'm still actively involved in, uh, which are not very many these days, um, you know, there still are a lot of questions. It's it's almost like you know people have, uh, haven't been around anywhere and haven't heard anything. Um, and it's it's very uh, disheartening to see people, uh, you, you know, um, talking about a, a breed of bird that they just got and then starting to ask questions about it. I think that's, uh, I guess that's about the same way people buy dogs, I think. <clears throat> and um, it's it's really, uh, they haven't done any homework at all. They don't know the susceptibility of the, of the bird to different uh, things. Uh, uh, there isn't any question in my mind that certain breeds of birds are much more fragile uh, uh, when it comes to dealing with uh, diseases than, than are other birds. Uh, some of it has to do with, uh, with certainly with the, the breeding and so on. But <clears throat> um, at any rate, the the uh, the intestine of the bird, okay, uh, is the largest 
immune organ in the body. And a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people don't, I think, believe it sometimes when I say it. But it is the largest immune organ in the body, the intestine, just loaded with what we call gut-associated lymphoid tissue, or called GALT. And um, it is extremely important because the, uh, the cells in the intestinal wall uh, produce a mucus that is to protect the lining of the, of the intestine. Uh, and this mucus allows this immune system, which is the uh, intestine, uh, to help protect the bird against pathogens. Um, so it would make good sense then to take care of this largest immune organ in the body and um, do everything that you could to maintain it in a positive uh, fashion. And when we don't take care of it, uh, it usually comes to back to haunt you, bite you, or whatever in a in a in a big way. And um, you know, uh, I was reading some research papers here a while back, and um, the villi, which are the um, little finger protrusions from the gut wall that uh, absorb nutrients in between them, and and work the nutrients down to the gut wall, um, and move the uh, the feed in the intestine. Uh, um, along the intestinal wall. Uh, in different types of birds, they are different widths, different lengths, uh, and, and so on. And the Vs are different uh, as far as their deepness is concerned. Um, so when we have birds out there from all these different uh, breedings, we don't know what the, what the, uh, uh, the, the length and the, the, the width of these villi are, but it's, they're very important to the overall... Uh, health of the bird, not only from a, an immune standpoint, but from a nutrient absorption, okay? And other people might not know this, but um, all food that is digested, all nutrients that are, that are absorbed in the intestine uh, and stuff go through the liver. So these organs need to be <coughs> taken care of uh, uh, very carefully, um, we know that when newborn chicks are born, uh, everybody thinks they're cuddly and cute, which they are, no doubt, but they are fragile. They are still developing. Their uh, intestinal tract is, is not completely uh, matured yet. And when we say matured, I'm just talking about something that's completed its growth. I'm not talking about something that is, is, is the size that it's going to be as, as the bird progresses. We're just talking about everything that's supposed to be in that intestine finally uh, developing to its, 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 its potential at that point and becoming functional. So in the very beginning, uh, when a bird is born, you have a sterile environment there. bird is basically sterile on the inside and will become then, just like humans, what it is exposed to in its environment. So the more junk and garbage you expose that bird to in the very beginning, the, ch the greater the chance that you will do uh, permanent and irreparable damage to that intestine. And uh, I bring this up today again because we, I go through this all the time. And it's it's extremely important that people understand that the cecal tonsils of, of a, of a day-old chick will not even be completely developed for another six weeks after it's born. So you're still dealing with things that are undergoing development and, and need to be 
cajoled and nurtured in a very special way. And when you get birds that are 10 days old, two weeks old, and they come down with coccidiosis, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. And, you know, you need to make sure that you're doing everything that you can to keep coccidiosis under control and uh, to keep them from uh, getting other pathogens, E. coli, salmonella. God only knows we've seen enough salmonella this past year to choke a horse. But we need to keep these birds in a a healthy manner right from the get-go, right from day one. And really all of it, it, the, the health of that bird really starts way before that. And we can go into all of that at another time, but you're from your breeding stock on to how the eggs are held before they're hatched and, and so on right down right down the line until the, the chick is, is hatched out. But just don't think that once that chick is hatched out that everything is hunky-dory and it's, it's, it's all ready to go and, and, and everything's going to be fine. It may or may not be, and it all depends on you. It depends on what you put into that chick, how much time, how much effort, uh, the types of food that you feed early on. Uh, one of the one of the most important things you can do for a newborn chick, okay, is to get it water and food immediately. And if if they were mine and I were hatching them, I would uh, take them out of the uh, incubator that they were hatching and put them in another one that had food and water in it, even before they were dried off. As soon as it, let them let them get to it. That way you don't have to watch them and. And as soon as they're dried off, they'll go right to the food and right to the water. All the research is pointing now to the quicker you can get food and water into them, the better off they're going to be. You're going to start to colonize that gut with the right thing. So you're going to have your probiotic in your in your drinking water. You're going to have your vitamins electrolytes in there. The, the bird's not going to dehydrate on you. Even if you have birds that are on the margin, okay, you are going to, to do so much better with these birds that <clears throat> are able to get a full nutritionally valued meal as quick as they can after hatching. And, um, you know, the research is there. It's out there. More and more uh, people are seeing it, more and more. uh, And granted, uh, the majority of this stuff does come out of the commercial industry, and not everything they do applies to to the the backyard small flock holder and stuff. But in this instance, it pretty much does, because at that point, they're all the same. So it makes sense to populate that gut with the good gut-friendly bacteria that's going to produce the uh, acid that's going to change the pH of that intestine and keep the bad guys from living there. And not only that, the uh, lactobacillus acidophilus will set up shop in the intestine, attach itself to the gut wall, which makes it tougher for the bad guys when they are presented to the intestinal wall to find a place to set up shop. They've got no home. And if the environment of that intestine is hostile enough so that the the uh, bad bacteria won't stay there, guess what? No infection is going to take place, and they're going to go out the back end, and it's going to be the end of it, hopefully. But you really need to focus on the intestinal tract of these birds, as well as other issues, but this is a big deal because <clears throat> when they stop eating, in many, many cases, it is extremely tough to get them going again. It just is. I had a bird that I was dealing with here for about, I want to say, five months. Cute little thing, white as a white could be, the whitest skin and the, and the whitest feathers. Uh, I can't remember. It was a cross of two different birds. It looked like a, a silky with uh, with white skin and a beautiful bird. But keeping it alive was a nightmare. 
and there was definitely something wrong in this bird's intestine. I couldn't tell exactly what it was, but it was a fine balance to keep this bird alive. Tube feeding for weeks on end. I was glad I didn't have to do it. Okay? And finally finding that balance and getting that bird to the point where it would be stable and then eat on its own. And then as soon as something would somehow get out of balance, boom, back to not eating again, uh, bloody diarrhea, bird not been outside. But there was something in that gut that was very difficult to fix. And um, we eventually did lose the bird here just about three weeks ago. Just flat up and died one day. It was fine, eating and drinking. And, and uh, the person uh, went to the store, came back, and boom, done. So there is a fine balance, and we walked that tightrope. Believe me, we did. I can't tell you how many emails and, and stuff went back and forth adjusting, 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 adjusting to try to keep this particular bird alive. So it's very, very difficult, but you need to get on a good feed program. You need to get food and water into your chicks as early as you can. You need to uh, maintain a good, healthy uh, gut uh, in your older birds. And you do that by uh, uh, feeding probiotic. Uh, oil of oregano is another one you can use uh, that works well. Um, you can use the uh, turmeric uh, placed on top of their, of their feed. There are all these things that you can do to enhance the, uh, the bird's overall health and its gut health. And these are not things that are, that are whimsical. These aren't things that uh, were dreamt up to make a buck. Uh, these are things that are that have been tried and proven. The scientific evidence is there. Uh, a lot of it on the human side as well. Okay, we're seeing more and more and more on the human side as well as the animal side, where the probiotics are doing the job. Uh, the uh, uh, curcumin and the turmeric, uh, uh, for more years than, than a lot of people have been alive, those products are, have been out there doing a good job. You can't wait. Until you have a problem because they are natural products they don't work in the same fashion uh, that an antibiotic would work okay so it makes a big difference when you uh, wait till you have a problem and then you start using these these are things that they're, they're ongoing you use them all the time I've talked about it on the show before with the turkey producer that I have here okay um, just hasn't had any problems at all none and uh, more turkeys now than he's ever had before to, to harvest and sell. More money in the bank. And, uh, you know, and I've said this before, God knows, on this show many times, and I'll continue to say it, dead birds don't pay bills. I don't care whose birds they are, yours or a commercial grower. If you can't market them, there's no point to it. So <clears throat> using a probiotic, using the curcumin or the turmeric, uh, using the uh, oil of oregano, uh, using a probiotic, uh, it just makes good common sense. And keeping the gut in a good, uh, healthy state so that uh, you don't have these things. And, and when you have a, a gut that's healthy, guess what? You get optimal growth out of that bird. Optimal growth. You get the best feathers. You get the best body weight. You get the best bone structure. Uh, all of these things. Because the bird's body isn't wanting for something. It isn't lacking something. It isn't always trying to rob Peter to pay Paul and make up something. Uh, we see this a lot of times with uh, birds with uh, Rynek. They're lacking something somewhere, and it isn't always vitamin E and it isn't always selenium. We've been through that uh, on the show as well. We did a whole show on it, okay? 
Selenium will take up for vitamin E, but vitamin E will not take up for selenium. Selenium is only needed in a minuscule amount, very minuscule amount. So it, in my opinion, the majority of the time, it's more than likely not selenium that's causing the problem. It's probably a combination of vitamin E and some other things. But the the issue is that you need to recognize that this all starts back in the breeding stock. If their good their guts are healthy and they're going to be putting out good, healthy, viable chicks, that's where it's at. That's where it's at. And not every chick that's hatched ends up living. And that's the way it is. And uh, one that's a, that's a runt in, in, the, in the group that you're hatching out, if it's a runt, they end up being runts at the end of the day. They never usually catch up to the pen mates, hardly ever. So... Just uh, just a word to the wise. That's uh, my whole point of this particular part of the of the show is to to make you understand that the uh, health of that gut is extremely important, not only for the nutrient uptake but for the bird's overall immune health, its ability to fight off disease. Because about seventy percent of its immune system lies in that gut. That's what makes it the largest immune organ in the body. The um, I'm, I'm making a post uh, actually. I'm in right in the middle of it now here on Facebook. And it's just titled Point to Ponder. And uh, if it's, it's uh, it states, if you choose to use homeopathic treatments to treat your chickens, i.e. garlic, pumpkin seeds, apple cider vinegar, herbs, it's important to know the following information. Number one, what is the exact dose required and how was this dose determined? Um, I think that's very, very important. And I, well, how much do I get? A little, you know, too little is not going to do any good. Too much, you're, well, now you're wasting your money uh, and not helping them any more than, than the exact dose. Um, number two, how long do you administer the treatment and how was this determined? I mean, is it, do you do it for seven days, 14 days, 30 days, uh, ongoing forever as long as they live? Um, three days, I mean, what, what's the dose? Uh, I mean, how long, do you, how long do you administer the, the dose? Number three, based on how the treatment is delivered, whether you're just sprinkling some on the food or putting it in the water or giving it individually, how do you make sure every bird receives the exact dose required? If you don't know that, you're wasting your time. Uh, well, yep. well, these two birds eat a lot of this stuff. These, these birds don't eat as much as the other birds do. They just kind of come over. So, so that's, that's number three. I'm still working on four and five. But, um, you know, for, for again, for the blog and forum reader, when people just shout out, hey, use this for that, or use this for that, or use that for this, um, you know, these are important questions I think you need to ask. Well, what's this? How much do I get? How long do I administer it? And um, how do I make sure that a bird is getting what they need? Um, which, you know, all these things I think are very, very important if you're going to use it um, uh, effectively. If, again, it's, it's, it is effective. So uh, it's just it's more than just, oh, use this to cure that. And, uh, and we see that a lot, and that contributes to a lot of sick and dead birds that we uh, receive calls here on the show when Peter's on and um, Dr. McCray's on and, uh, and others. So it's just something to, to think about other than just, oh, I'll just sprinkle some oregano on their feet or I'll just give them some pumpkin seeds every uh, October when the, uh, the pumpkins are in season and, and I won't have to worry about anything else or, or I won't have to worry about warming. I won't have to you know, give, them, give them garlic. Well, how much garlic? Too much garlic can be toxic to chickens. That is fact. So how much do you get? Where's the dose? I never see that when people are talking about homeopathic or herbs or things to treat their chickens. They just say, use this. Well, give me a dose. Give me how long to give it. And, and, and let me know how I can make sure that every single bird in my flock is getting the dose that is needed based on how you claim I should deliver it. So important information. Peter, thanks for uh, joining us today. Great, great topics, two very timely topics. Uh, 
gut health, as we know, is very important, and then um, disease uh, um, treatments and things we, we talked about earlier. Thank you so much for uh, that, and uh, we look forward to seeing you um, next Monday or next uh, Tuesday for another great show. Maybe we'll do another Q&A show. Um, unless you, again, you get lots of uh, emails and calls about something specific that's going on somewhere in the country, uh, we can uh, we can cover that since uh, you see it uh, taking uh, a foothold. So, thank you so much, Peter, for joining us, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, thank you. All right, that's Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State VetSupply.com. If you need to reach out to him, it's Chicken Dr at FirstStateVetSupply.com. Again, that's ChickenDR um, at FirstStateVetSupply.com. So, uh, hey, thanks for tuning in tomorrow. All about essential oils with Tracy Kennebec and Purple Lotus Oil, as well as Thursday, Richard Frudenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine, talking about fire safety for the homestead. So uh, great topics this week. We hope you can join us for each and every show. Thank you very much for tuning in today, and we hope you'll tune in tomorrow. Visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com. From there, you can follow us on Facebook. Become a fan on our Twitter, uh, or maybe follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, however that technical lingo uh, goes. (laughs) And, uh, And follow us and get some great information. Thanks so much for tuning in today. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless everybody.